Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. My name is Aaron and this week we have a very special collaboration coming at you from Fireside Bard. So Kevin C. Olahan is about to tell you a story, a voyage story in conjunction with our voyage series that we're doing at the moment and finishing next week. We'll be live streaming this weekend with Kevin Olin of Fireside and we'll be talking about the Voyage of Bran next Sunday. Tune in on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and all that crack. But now, Kevin, take it away and tell us a story, will you? Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon Makuku Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Bran thinks it a wondrous beauty in his coracle over the clear sea. As for me, in my chariot from afar, it is a flowery plain around which he drives. What is clear sea for the proud ship in which Bran is, is a pleasant plain with an abundance of flowers for me in a two-wheeled chariot. Bran sees many waves breaking over the clear sea. I myself see in Magmon red-topped flowers without flaw. Seahorses glisten in summer as far as Bran has stretched the glance of his eye. Flowers pour forth a stream of honey in the land of Manonin, son of Lear. The color of the ocean on which you are, the bright color of the sea on which you row, it has spread out gold and blue-green. It is solid land. Speckled salmon leap out of it from the womb, from the white sea on which you look. They are calves. They are lovely coloured lambs at peace without mutual slaying. The Voyage of Bran Bran was not just the name of Fionn McCool's loyal cousin-turned-hound. There was, in another time, in another Ireland, a high king named Bran. Solitude is surprisingly hard to come by when you are responsible for the rule of an entire people. And one such rare moment, where the king stole away some time of peace, Bran heard the distinct sound of music. It was distinct in so much as Bran had never heard anything quite like it. He recognized the manipulation of wind and the pluck of strings, but it was a denser, sweeter sound than was ever known by the High King. 
Bran searched and searched and grew anxious when the music seemed to grow and grow in volume while remaining elusive and unseen. Suddenly the music came right behind the High King and lulled Bran into a sound asleep as he had known since having the weight of Era placed on his shoulders like Atlas himself. Bran dreamed of the source of this enchanting, frenzied sound. It was a woman who seemed to be made of petals and branches. He could not quite make out a flesh form without becoming overwhelmed by her beauty. Bran did not know whether he was more attracted to the figure or the tune. Before he could decide, the king awoke. When Bran came to, there was in his hand a silver branch with cherry blossom petals. There was nothing of the sort that grew on Bran's lands. The branch was not of this world. The king marched back to his fort and presented his assembled tribe with the mysterious offshoot. Between the pack of you gathered here today, has even one of you ever seen the like of this on these shores? No one had ever come across a silver branch with cherry blossoms. But as a late reply to the king's request, the beautiful musician once again appeared. This time everyone gathered there could see her. She was no fantasy, no figment of Bran's weary mind. She was real. But just because she was real does not, of course, mean that she was of this world. I come from a land that knows no illness, death, not even what you perceive as time. I know a thousand island nations, a million ways to immortality, to live out life in any conceivable way. I summon you, High King of Era, come away to my lands, to the land of joy, to the island of women, come to the kingdom of Manon and Maclear. Her summons ended, the figure began to fade as blossoms blown from an autumn limb, but not before retrieving her silver branch from Bran's tight grip. The king had not released the branch since it had first appeared in his hands, but now he was weak as a kitten to resist losing his recently beloved possession. Bran was left branchless in his fort, surrounded by a mortal world he was no longer content with. There was only one thing for it. The next day, Bran had a skiff prepared and crewed it with three times nine men, each group led by one of the king's own foster brothers. The twenty-nine salts sailed for two hard, windy days. They felt directionless. They were directionless. All they were going on was a sleep-deprived vision of a king in search of a bit of dead tree. You couldn't exactly look for that with a compass. What seemed to be a tidal wave began to approach Bran's skiff. The crew didn't know whether to paddle away or attempt to skewer through the wave. There was no time for a decision. And when they realised what the wave really was... Neither Scylla nor Charybdis could have made a man move. 
From the foam came a chariot pulled by a single white horse. The horse had the power of waves and was as brilliant white as violent sea foam. The chariot was of organic gold like a deep water mine and the rider was neither man nor merman nor marrow nor selkie he was. He was a god. He was the god, Mananin Machlir, the god of the sea. Mananin did not speak to the crew so much as he chanted verse at them. While the god spoke, not a man moved. It's a wonder they did not capsize there and then, but the god calmed the sea as he spoke. You voyagers see ocean beneath you. You believe you ride on tides and waves, but I only see open fields and winds blowing through tall grass. You see fish leap from the depths. I see birds, butterflies, and bees. You think I am the lord of the ocean, but what you cannot conceive is the sea is my land. The voyagers could not conceive this, and neither can I. If you can, please do let me know. Having sufficiently melted the brains of enough sailors for one afternoon, Manon and Maclear favoured Brand with a wind which blew the skiff to the shore of an island. Bran called to shore, Is this the island of women? Do silver branches grow here? There were many folk on the shores of the island, all of whom saw the skiff, but every one of them merely laughed, convulsions of laughter and pointing at Bran and his crew. It baffled the king and made him immensely anxious. How dare they laugh at us, cried one of Bran's men as he leapt from the skiff and swam to the shore. The man intended revenge, but once he touched sand, something changed within him. Bran called to his friend, but the man turned and began to laugh as foolishly and as maddeningly as everyone else on the island. This is clearly the island of madmen, said another crew member. No, said Bran, that is the island of joy. We are close. Disheartened, having left the man behind, Bran sailed on until he came to another island. This time he did not need to call to shore. Bran saw cherry-blossom trees with silver branches leading to silver limbs and boughs. More. On the shore of the island, Bran saw women. Only women. And most importantly, Bran saw the woman. The one who had appeared to him. Who had summoned him on this voyage. Bran was hesitant to go ashore, but he was given no choice in the matter. The musician tossed a ball of yarn at the king's head. Bran interceded with his fist. The string wrapped around his hand and began to pull the ship to shore. The crew were helpless. But their cries were not necessary. Once ashore, the summoning woman said, Do not worry or fear. Worry and fear are unknown here. Here you will only know peace, pleasure and contentment. Come. 
The voyagers were led to a magnificent island manor. Inside they sat at a banquet table where their plates never emptied. Eat and drink as much as they did, their plates never diminished. Then they were each led to their own rooms and slept as if they had never known beds before. They stayed on the island of women for what would have felt like a year if time had been a construct they adhered to. Each day they would hunt and play sport and games. At night they would feast, tell stories, sing songs, and they never grew weary or apprehensive or bored. Life was perfect. But can the mortal soul ever be contented? There was one crew member of Bran's ship named Nocton. Nocton planted the seed that would grip the crew like a vine, the seed of longing, of missing home. Bran would hear not a word of it until every one of his men dreamed of Era, and the king became powerless to the will of his own people. The musician who had summoned Bran, who had been a loving companion like he had never known, begged him not to leave. If you return to Era, you will only know misery. Please, stay. But the king was resigned. I am the leader of these men. They followed me here willingly, on a fool's errand. I must respect their wishes. The woman told Bran that if he must return, not to step one foot on Era's shores, or death would surely follow. On the voyage home, Bran sailed by the Island of Joy and called the call of home to shore. The crew member who had lost his wits recovered them and swam out to the skiff. With their full company reassembled, they sailed for home. But when Bran and his men reached Era, the island was different. The trees were gone. The beaches had changed shape. Even the clothes on people's backs were unrecognisable. Nocton, the crew member who had been the first to want to return home to Era, was the first to leap from the skiff. But when he reached land, the moment his foot touched sand, the flesh melted off his bones like dead leaves. His skeleton collapsed into a pile of dust and blew away as ash in the wind. The crew looked on in horror. Bran remembered the musician's warning. The king called to a boy on the shore. You there, run to your local chieftain and tell him that King Bran has returned from his voyage. Pull the other one, said the boy. What? The king was not used to being spoken to like this. There is no King Bran. Bran had a horrifying thought. He gulped and asked the youth, Has there ever been a King Bran? There's a fairy story about one all right, said the boy, from about a hundred years ago. It was a mad king who lost his mind and disappeared to sea. Bran turned to his crew. He was at a loss for words. But there was an unspoken agreement between the crew. They knew what must be done. One final time, Bran called to shore. His story. The true story. The story I now tell you. 
At least, this is the version that has come down to us. We'll never know for sure what was said to that young boy, or whether or not he told anyone else. But so the version goes, Bran turned the skiff around and headed back to the Island of Promise. Neither he nor his crew were ever heard from again. To be continued. Thank you, Kevin Olin, for such a wonderful telling of the voyage of Bran. I have beautiful memories of this story after Surika and I, well, we wrote a whole show, our very first ever show before we even started Cantle Tales together about the voyage of Brian. It was great fun, that show. But we'll be talking about this story and more of the voyage stories this Sunday, live with Kevin. And if you want to tune into that and ask us questions in advance, we'll try and answer them as we can and as we best will do. I'll be live streaming on YouTube. So you go to the YouTube channel and subscribe there. As always, these podcasts are created thanks to our Patreon support. So if you like what we do, patreon.com forward slash candletales. Well, that's how you help us out, basically. We really appreciate a lot uh, for all the help. And, um, well, a special thanks for everyone who listens. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.